0: The book of Isaiah is the granddaddy of the Old Testament major prophets. What Beethoven means to music and Shakespeare means to literature, what Michelangelo is to art and Babe Ruth is to baseball, and whom Washington and Lincoln are among the presidents of the United States, Isaiah is among the holy prophets of God. Isaiah's theme is, God is my salvation. Theologically, the word salvation means redemption and deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. Salvation sounds like it belongs inside the stained glass windows of the church. However, Isaiah helps us unwrap the word in a way that everyday people understand that salvation is indeed our greatest need. Is God or something else your salvation? I'm Ron Jones. And this is something good.
1: But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Hello and welcome into this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. With those words, the prophet Isaiah showed us our deep need for salvation and spoke of the only person, Jesus Christ, who could give it to us. Ron explores two key ideas from the book of Isaiah today, the depravity of man and the deliverance of man as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with part two of his message, Isaiah, God is my salvation.
0: Chapters one to 39 in Isaiah provide one of the broadest swaths of history and prophecy found anywhere in the Bible and reading them might make you feel sad and weary and depressed, but keep on reading because chapters 40 through 66 follow with consolation and hope as Isaiah unpacks God's promises and um, the future blessings through his Messiah. And that brings us to chapters 40 through 66 where I want to talk about… Well, let's just call it the Gospel According to Isaiah. This is a gospel book full of hope and comfort and consolation and the promise of Messiah, who from their perspective was to come and all of the blessings associated with the messianic kingdom. Isaiah chapter 40 begins a Hebrew poem that stretches from chapter 40 at least through chapter 55, and some say all the way through the end of the book, this enormous book through chapter 66, it might be the greatest and most eloquent poem ever written. You gotta understand, Isaiah was well educated and was, was a gifted man when it came to words. The man could write. Uh, When when we talk about divine inspiration, God uses human instrumentation and the gifting of of humans and and breathes his word into them. But we find uh, among the 40 authors of Holy Scripture, some were uneducated, just fishermen like Peter, but others like Isaiah, well-educated, from a wealthy family, uh, part of the aristocracy of Israel, and this guy was a wordsmith. Jewish rabbis refer to this section starting in chapter 40 as the Book of Consolation, partly because of the way it begins. Chapter 40 and verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Yeah, after reading chapters 1 to 39 and all the judgments, you need some comfort. And through the long lens of of prophecy, Isaiah anticipates that God's people would grow weary after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Again, I'm presuming Isaiah wrote before the captivity. And he, through the lens of prophecy, would see that at the end of that captivity, they would need the comfort and consolation of God. We find that the word salvation, of the 28 times it appears in the book of Isaiah, appears 21 times in these 27 chapters. And that theme begins to accelerate, providing hope and solace for hurting souls who um, have received 39 chapters of judgment. Again, as pure literature, Isaiah's rhetoric soars, and it sounds pleasing to the ears. I want to encourage you, if nothing else, find a place where you can read out loud Isaiah chapter 40, verses 66 when you study it because it is, it is fantastic literature. But God's Word does more than just tickle our ears. It also comforts our hearts and draws us closer to our Creator and provides hope uh, for those who are under the judgment of God. I've lifted a few examples that illustrate both for us. Beginning in chapter 45 and verse 8, listen to this. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Chapter 46 and verse 13, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Chapter 51 and verse six, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Chapter 52 and verse seven, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Folks, this is incredible stuff. You try writing like Isaiah. I mean, this guy knows how to work his words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, uh, chapter 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We ought to stand in awe of the Word of God and just the sheer beauty of it from a literary standpoint. Now again, in this great poem that goes from chapter 40, I'll say through 66, chapters 40 and 53 contain the most Familiar sections to us. In the movie Chariots of Fire, um, the movie drew attention to Isaiah chapter 40 when Olympic runner Eric Liddell uh, in the movie stands up in a church service and he uh, ascends the pulpit, which back then was raised high above the congregation, and he reads the scripture of the day. And Liddell reads from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And in the story of uh, Eric Liddell, this great Olympic athlete, he he was inspired to run for the glory of God and to fly like an eagle uh, based upon Isaiah chapter 40. Most students of the Bible also recognize the lofty rhetoric of Isaiah chapter 53. And I want you to understand from a literary standpoint how the writer Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, focuses our attention on Isaiah 53. Because you have chapters 1 to 39 then chapters 40 through 66, and then Isaiah 53 sits like a jewel at the midpoint of 40 to 66. And and from a literary standpoint, all the focus of the book is Isaiah chapter 53, and understandably so. Because this famous chapter inside the grand poem from 40 through 66 contains the powerful messianic prediction of the suffering servant who is to come. Isaiah 53 also explains the mystery hinted at in chapter 40 relating to the restoration of God's exiled people. And we don't have time this morning to read through all of Isaiah chapter 53. In fact, we could take weeks studying this this jewel that is sitting at the midpoint of the literary structure in the latter part of the book. But these words probably sound familiar. Listen to these. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray... We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just pause and let that sink in a little bit. Written almost 3,000 years ago, the prophecy of the coming Christ as a suffering servant Now, Orthodox Jews still believe that Isaiah 53 has nothing to do with Jesus of Nazareth. But I say the gospel according to Isaiah and the gospel according to Isaiah 53 could not be clearer.
1: Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Isaiah God is my salvation, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And today for your gift to Something Good Radio, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series you're hearing right now, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the major prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah through Daniel. And it's our gift to you for your generous gift to Something Good today. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Isaiah. God is my salvation.
0: Uh, We as uh, New Testament believers uh, understand that Jesus fulfilled this monumental prophecy. In fact, the early church, which by the way was made up of Jewish believers, the apostles were Jews, and God used them to write the New Testament. And did you know that the New Testament quotes from Isaiah 53 nearly 40 times? Clearly, the New Testament writers and the apostles understood as they came through the experience of ministry with Jesus for three years, his surprising suffering on the cross, at least to them at that time, his glorious resurrection, his ascension to the Father. They then look back through their understanding of Scripture and says, oh, that's what Isaiah 53 was all about. He was right here. Mitch Glasser, who is the president of Chosen, Peoples, uh, Chosen People Ministries, a, a ministry to uh, uh, the Jewish people, he says, Isaiah 53 is one of the clearest prophecies of Jesus the Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures. This chapter has changed the lives of thousands of people, both Jews and Gentiles, who have read the text and believed in the one who fulfilled these prophecies in glorious detail. This is the jewel of the book of Isaiah. And everything about the book structurally points us to that. Now let's return to the question I posed at the beginning. What is your greatest need in life? Come on, how you answer that question will determine what you spend your time and what I spend my time chasing after in this life. And if your greatest need is for education, you will spend your life running after knowledge. Nothing wrong with degrees, I have three of them. We have a pastor on our staff who I think has 13 of them. He just completed another one. He's now Dr. So-and-so. Nothing wrong with that. But knowledge and education is not your greatest need. If your greatest need is for technology, you will become a slave to the latest gadget. If your greatest need is for money, (laughs) You will wear yourself out trying to get rich, and guess what? The next dollar you earn, save, or invest will not satisfy you. Uh, just, just ask uh, J.D. Rockefeller, when somebody asked him, how, how much is enough? And he said, just, just a little bit more, a little bit more. If your greatest need is for someone to love you and make you feel secure, okay, you're getting closer, you're getting closer, but no human relationship, not even your spouse, can satisfy the deep ache in your heart, and that hole in your heart carved out by sin and disobedience and our waywardness. However, if your greatest need is for forgiveness, The book of Isaiah will open up to you like a a springtime flower. And you will will smell and take in the beautiful fragrance of this Old Testament firebrand. And you won't see it just just as as fire coming down from heaven, but you will see God making his case for man's need for salvation under the judgment of, of a holy and righteous God, but but he didn't leave us there. No, he he provided for our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you understand your greatest need for forgiveness and the book of Isaiah opens up like that springtime flower, you will also understand why the writer of Hebrews in chapter two and verse three warns us about neglecting what he calls such a great salvation. And it is. Isaiah puts uh, the whole plan of God on display in 66 chapters, this mini Bible. And it's a great plan of salvation. And if you see your greatest need as what it really is, which is for forgiveness and for salvation, you will spend the rest of your life chasing after Jesus, this suffering servant who loves you so much That he purchased your salvation with his own blood on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin and delivered you, redeemed you from the very power of sin, and promises to return, to take you home to heaven with him, to remove you from the very place where sin exists in this world. What a package! What a salvation! What a great salvation it is. And we only have a little glimpse of it. We have a down payment on our salvation, the New Testament tells us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible goes on to say that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. This salvation package is enormous. And we have yet to really grasp and understand Just how big it really is. This is the book of Isaiah. God is my salvation. I understand my greatest need. By the way, your greatest need will not be met in Washington, D.C., or a political party, as important as the Christian voice is in the public square. Your greatest need and my greatest need is in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who is the means by which God has provided our salvation and forgiveness. And if that isn't your personal possession, if the idea of God and and salvation is still theoretical to you and in the ivory tower somewhere, uh, in in, in the seminary classroom, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says, because God is always at work making another offer to somebody who deserves judgment and the condemnation of God, and that's all of us. He's saying, here, exchange the judgment you deserve for my free gift of eternal life. Because all the judgment you deserved and all the judgment that the nations of the earth deserve, I poured out on my Son on the cross. And I am satisfied with that. Now, it's it's yours free by faith and through grace. That's Isaiah. That's the Bible. That's the story of the Bible, told over and over and over and over again and beautifully told to us through this Old Testament firebrand called Isaiah. Say it with me. God is my salvation. Come on, say it like you mean it and like you really own it personally. God is my salvation.
1: Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message. Isaiah, God is my salvation. Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. And Ron, Isaiah has been called the Shakespeare of the prophets. It really is just an absolute literary masterpiece. It's also an awful lot to digest in such a short time. But before we move on to our next stop on Route 66, is there anything you'd like to explore a little further? There sure is, Brian. Let's talk about two prominent
0: themes in Isaiah that work in tandem, uh, namely the sin problem and the salvation solution. You said it yourself in your opening statement. Isaiah discusses the depravity of man and then follows it up by prophesying about the deliverer of man. Uh, These two ideas are critical because in order to fully appreciate God's goodness, We first have to fully understand our own badness all we like sheep have gone astray writes isaiah we have turned everyone to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all that's all of us brian and not just what the world would call the worst of the worst i mean serial killers and rapists and child molesters and so on no isaiah is talking about every single person who has ever lived other than jesus christ We are all depraved. We are all wicked, evil, and unworthy in our own flesh to ever earn redemption on our own. If we don't admit that about ourselves, if we don't truly believe that Jesus had to die for us as individual sinners every bit as much as he had to die for what the world would call the dregs of society, then we're diminishing the work of Jesus Christ. And in fact, We won't even ask for forgiveness or for salvation without first admitting how badly we need it. When we look in the mirror and rightly examine our own wickedness, I'm talking about every thought, every motive, in addition to our own sinful actions, and then acknowledge that wickedness, well, we elevate the person and work of Jesus Christ to its proper place. At that point, once we admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior, Then we can more fully understand the second major theme in Isaiah, which is that Jesus the Christ is the only means by which any of us can be redeemed. Not only that, but we'll be in proper position, a position of humility and contrition, to cry out to him for salvation and deliverance. Brian, what I love about Isaiah is that he was very intentional in pointing out that Christ the Messiah is the only way out of the sin problem. There is no other avenue, no other road, uh, no other person or system or religion, only Jesus. And so I encourage each of our listeners to study the book of Isaiah for yourself. Take a deep dive into your own badness, and you will be more willing and better able to drink in his goodness. He alone is the God of our salvation. There is no other
1: way. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from today's message. Isaiah, God is my salvation. Before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Well, Brian, our next stop is uh,
0: the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Have you ever asked God to do something new? Uh, maybe you need that right now. Maybe you need him to refresh your marriage or your relationship with your kids or maybe even your own relationship with him. Well, Jeremiah prophesied about a new thing the Lord said he would, he would do one day, which was to establish a new covenant with the nation of Israel, as well as anyone who comes to faith in Christ. Because uh, non-Jewish believers in Christ under this new covenant are grafted into the family tree. Uh, What exactly is this new covenant and how does it differ from the old? Well, I'll explore that and, and plenty more over the next couple of days as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip
1: Through the Bible. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Jeremiah, a new covenant. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.